0: Welcome to the Oshit oh Twins podcast. I'm your host, Georgia Martell. Today we're going to be talking to Marley. Marley has grown a social media account with her cool stick people doodles, which actually caught my attention. She discusses everything from motherhood, birthing, fourth trimester, and everything in between. Today we're going to be talking about midwifery care and her upcoming book, so stay tuned. Hi, Marley. I just wanted to thank you again for doing the Oshit oh Twins podcast. And today we're going to be just having a quick chat. Molly is a qualified midwife. I believe you do private practice now. Do you still work for the NHS? No, I left the NHS last year. So I'm just fully independent now. Yeah. So so she's an independent midwife and also very active on social media and has a book coming out. But I kind of... Anne is a twin mum, so that's why she's on the podcast. (laughs) But the main reason, that the main conversation I wanted to have is kind of just around around midwifery and as a lot of new mums go into it obviously you're walking into something you have no idea of so kind of how to judge if you're comfortable with your midwife things to look out for um and kind of what i don't know if you would know what kind of rights a new mum will have if they feel like they need to make changes or they're not comfortable with certain things and then we'll go off into your book and all the other exciting stuff that you do so um as a new mom walking in, I know from my, myself, no one really discusses the relationship that you had with have with your midwife. Um, now, being a high risk pregnancy, I even though I was seen every two weeks, I was always seen by different people. Um, mm-hmm. I know, obviously, with the five times more um, black people black women being five times more likely to die from childbirth that they're one of the solutions is continue oh god can i even speak today
1: okay. continuity
0: of care that's the word <laughs> <laughs> and one i would probably ask you as well how realistic is that because with the the, the nature of of birthing is so unpredictable so how do you what, what's your kind of take on that and the realist how realistic it is Mm. you know what
1: this whole discussion around continuity of care has been Mm. going on since well probably since before i qualified Mm. i mean when i started training midwife midwife back in 2005 we were we were talking about continuity of care back then and we're still talking about it now um and we know that having the same midwife or the same team of midwives because it's not realistic and unless you unless you're a Unless you're an independent midwife and you're mm-hmm. assigned to a woman to look after her antenatally, then mm-hmm. you're on call for her birth and then you go to visit her postnatally. It's not realistic, um, really. It was in the NHS for one for one midwife yeah. to follow mm-hmm. them through. So, what we used to so, so many years ago when I was training, we had um, uh, I, I worked within a small team um, mm-hmm. called, like, we called Domino midwives, and what they did was so they'd have like two or three midwives assigned to one woman so what it okay. meant was w- who would look after her through the pregnancy through the birth and then post-monteless. Mm-hmm. So is is that the midwife would get to know all three of them yeah and that any one of them could be available for the birth mm-hmm. right so more realistic because what we've got to remember is midwives have families of midwives course are, midwives are sick mm-hmm. midwives have, have children that might break an ankle or something mm-hmm. you know so you never know, or might be on holiday when you go going to labour. So you can't, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's probably a bit unrealistic to expect, um, you know, to have real continuity with, with one person. But I think working in a small team what would, would work. Some trusts have started to implement that. Which is mm-hmm. great. So you have some women that will see um, just, you know, between one and three midwives through her pregnancy. And she knows all of them. She, she's got to know them all. Yeah. And she knows well that when she goes into labour it's going to be one of those midwives mm. um but not all trusts um are, are are kind of offering this at the moment and also yeah. it depends on things like whether you are um class as high risk yeah you know? mm. if you are high risk say for example you've got um, a heart condition or mm. you're carrying triplets or something then the likelihood is you're going to be seeing um a mixture of doctors and midwives so yeah. you'll probably see the consultant at some appointments or one of the consultant's team mm-hmm. and then you'll probably see a midwife as well but when you go to give birth if that doctor isn't on call or those midwives aren't working you're going to just see whoever's on the ward oh, at the time yeah, yeah yeah so it's really tricky we do know that it does make a difference I mean even now the clients that I have the women that I see through pregnancy um they're always saying to me you know that they feel much more comfortable Mm. um you know because they've got one midwife one of my one of my, my most recent clients she um shares her care between me and the NHS so she still goes okay. all of her NHS appointments but she sees me as well and she said to me the other day she said Marley you know what and this is and she'd had her baby a few days ago and she said you know what you're the only person I've seen consistently throughout
0: this, mm. this whole
1: experience mm. and um whenever she went for her appointments it was a different midwife every time and also, you've got to consider the midwife's working pattern. So when I was working yeah, at the NHS,
0: yeah.
1: the midwife, I only worked part-time mm. because of my children. I, I could never work. The, the job is very, very stressful. It's rewarding, but it's stressful. Yeah. And uh, I, I rate my, my colleagues who, who work them 40-hour weeks because it's never 40 hours. It's always more than that. Mm. And it's it, incredibly draining. So when you're only working like me, I, I was doing like 22 and a half hours. That's so was like two, two days, one week, three days the next week. Mm-hmm. Um, there are going to be times when you are someone else is going to, is going to be running your clinic because you're mm. not in on that. Yeah, thing. of course. So yeah, it, it's it's a difficult one. It does it, it can make
0: a difference if it happens, mm. but it's trying to implement that properly. and of of course, is are they even willing to look at changing whole patterns of work, people's pattern mm. of work, and things to make it happen? Is is it's a huge is a huge task. Um, so, as a new mom coming into to, to meet their midwife, kind of what what would you kind of suggest as the things they should maybe even ask for their own self, or just be aware of, if they feel like you know maybe they're not getting the care that they need.
1: Um. So, and this happens quite often, you know, somebody will go in go in to get booked, like their booking appointment or something, yeah. in appointment. Mm-hmm. and the chemistry just isn't there. Yeah, you know. Immediately they're like, Mm-mm, "I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't connect well with this person, this health professional." Hmm. And um if that happens, whether it be a midwife or a doctor, then you're well within your rights to um ask for a change. Now, obviously, you know, you're not going to sort of say there and then, "Hey, I don't want you. Can you go find another, <laughs> another midwife?" <laughs> yeah, yeah a, of course. That's a bit awkward. So, what you would do if if you feel like um, perhaps you're having a conversation and don't get on with that person or they um perhaps aren't listening to 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 what your hopes and your wishes are for your pregnancy and for your birth then you can contact um the antenatal clinic manager or the head of midwifery and just say hey um would, would it be possible for me to me to change midwife?" and that's mm-hmm. it or mm-hmm. change doctor um and they are obliged to do
0: that you know okay. they're obliged to do that. Mm-hmm. i know my case mm-hmm. In my case, it was the consultants. I didn't, didn't. I didn't like. um, It's something I didn't like. I just didn't like the way I felt like they spoke at me, not to me, and it was very much so. um, Oh yeah yeah just telling me you're gonna have a cesarean we're booking you in around this day and whatever and i'm sitting there like i don't want to have a cesarean Not because mm. i have an issue with cesarean but if i don't need it i don't want it like i don't want it i'm gonna have two babies to look after you mm. know my other half self-employed i got stairs in my flat like you know it's just it, all these things mm. are running through my mind so it and then i was going to kings every two weeks for my scans and then i was getting completely different energy and vibe from them i've been told they're like oh yeah you can you know you you can be do lots of twin natural births. That's that's no, that's no issue. So for me, it was just like I'm not. I didn't feel supported, so I ended up changing my whole hospital. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> happy. I went to two two different appointments at, at said hospital, and I was like, no, 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 no. I can't. This is this is. I left there feeling anxious. I didn't leave there feeling positive that I was gonna go and have my babies. So I just ch- I changed my whole hospital. And when Mm. i usually tell people that they're quite surprised but it was a bit of a process i'm not even gonna it wasn't an easy process it took a few weeks but But it can be done it can be done it can be done done. um how do you feel obviously because i don't you you so did you leave during the pandemic or just after before (laughs) just before okay yeah you know what i I kind of felt guilty because
1: Mm. um i mean when I so I had my my last my fifth baby in in 2019 yes. January,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then <clears throat> by the following January, I was um basically leaving the NHS mm. and um because my my little girl she was one and at that point and trying to juggle everything mm. I, it, it, there was kind of like part of me that was I wanted to be able to give better care to women and yeah. I felt that if I went independently I'd have more time. Right like now I go and visit one of my clients. And Rather than having a rushed ten or fifteen minute appointment in and out the door, I, I sit in a house and chat to her for an hour and a half, mm. you know, and make sure it's done thoroughly.
0: Yeah. So
1: yeah. I was like, no, and and obviously because of my, you know, my personal life, my children, mm. doing the school runs, and mm. like, you know, I want to do it how I want to do it. But there was a sense of, oh no, I've left and as a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've left all my colleagues, and now they're all, you know, and I was watching, obviously watching the TV, and I was yeah. hearing. Um, I mean I, I, I just kind of started up on Instagram at that point and I was kind of watching um, uh, my midwifery colleagues go and do like IG, and, IG lives and things and talk about how difficult everything was and I'm like oh my gosh I've kind of left you all in it so there was a sense of guilt mm. but then after speaking to other people they are like, no, Marley, you've done 11 years yeah um, yeah working and giving your all and you've done your bit and, and you've done all that while you whilst you're raising a family mm. so don't feel guilty don't feel bad about it so you're still helping women um, and I continued to do so online. You know, at that point, I think at that point, I was getting about 30, 40 DMs a week from people. And I would answer them. Mm. I would answer them all. And then the pandemic hit. And um, I started getting about three to 400 a week. Yeah. Honestly. And I got to put was like, I, I can't, I just can't keep answering everyone's personal questions. Mm. Although everybody was obviously really anxious. Mm. Um, you know, my behalf, Tyrone, he, he caught me at 1 o'clock in the morning messaging somebody on Instagram he's like Marley go to sleep what are mm. you doing mm. you know you can't you can't be everyone's hero you can't save everybody and help everyone so yeah it, it was but that was me trying to make up for leaving the NHS so yeah. I was just trying to kind of do my do my thing do my part you know.
0: But then as I've been reading recently about the expected exodus of doctors and midwives and nurses out of mm. the NHS after how they feel they've been treated during this pandemic which is understandable i've just been having those private conversations with people and i'm like i won't be surprised if there's hardly anyone left by the end on by the end because of how they the, how they've been treated and you then you're not going to give them you know nurses and doctors a pay rise and things like that and it's just yeah
1: if, if been, when, when you think about nhs midwives and how much um, they're paid you look at midwives in the united states yeah, even, yeah, like yeah. And, even like labor and delivery nurses who yep who I like midwives, but they just don't catch the baby. They do everything else but catch the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, they get paid like twice, three times as much. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just like, what? You know, what is going on for for what, what we do over here and for the workload? And, the, and those mm-hmm. doctors as well, especially like the junior doctors that are running around, you know, they're going from A&E to department to department um, and they're totally rushed off their feet and shattered. Okay, they, they do get paid more. <laughs> um, but still, it's not, I, I still don't think... Um, unless you're a a, a chairman or a a consultant that you don't really get paid for what you do definitely
0: definitely because i i've i've got a family that um have got gone into midwifery and Mm. i've got a doctor and literally i said to them okay if you're going to do it just make sure you got exit plan to leave because Mm. i know that might sound bad but it's just like you get you can work in another part of the world get paid more your, your workload is not so intense or it is intense but You know, you just give him more support. Mm. Because, you know, I've... My, the family member that's a doctor you can't even ask her like don't even ask her how her day is she doesn't want to talk like don't ask her how she work is she doesn't want to talk about it like while well, she's not there she's just she's left it behind and she wants to be totally out of that system while while she's not at work so um mm-hmm. I get it I get it but we're going to talk a bit about your like kind of your social media is your platform's grown and um I don't know if it's a result of your social media but you've now um writing a book or written a book can you give us a bit more interest? Yeah. At what that's about, and kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, sure. So um, my social media, my my Instagram
1: account grew quite quickly actually mm-hmm. last year, um, and I think so I'm on like a hundred thousand now, which mm. is like, oh my gosh! I remember sitting there the other day thinking, a hundred thousand people actually want to listen to what I've got to say. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but last year, I I'd always wanted to write a book, mm. always, and. For years, but I always thought, you know, people, just regular people, just don't get book deals. Mm. Now, I know you can still self-publish. You can, you know, you can get five thousand pounds and go and print yourself a load of books, but then you have to do everything yourself, or the yep. all the marketing, all the, you know, copying. Yeah, market, selling
0: the it, everything.
1: <laughs> um, I, I, haven't got time for that. Mm. But then to get a book deal with a publisher, regular people just don't get it. And then I, then I thought, well, actually, well, they do, but I wouldn't know where to start. But anyway, it did help having mm. the the big platform did help because when you've got a big platform, book agents, or literary agents and publishers look at you more. They do, because mm-hmm. they know that you've got people to sell the book to.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So I kind, of, I kind of used that, I guess, to my advantage and mm-hmm. um, thought, you know what, I'm just gonna go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, just, I, I approached a literary agent and she said, yep, yeah, that'd be fantastic. I couldn't even believe that she actually opened my, my, my email. Um, and it went from there so the book is um is basically mid- midwife marley's guide for everybody pregnancy oh. birth and fourth, fourth trimester so it's a it's a manual really about getting through pre- about pregnancy mm-hmm. what to expect i've written as much as i possibly can on all aspects of the pregnancy uh, a bit like a Almost like an encyclopedia, but it's it's going to be illustrated with my little drawings. So yeah, yeah, thinking. yeah.
0: <laughs> that's, that's that's a, I, remember, I remember when I first fell on your page, I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> because I'm terrible. I have no artistic skills in that department. So when I saw that's your so stick, cool. I was like, "Do you know what I can relate to these?" <laughs> <laughs> Honestly,
1: I mean, my my, my sons, so my eldest son, he he he's great. He's an he's a he's an art he's an mm. artist. I mean, mm-hmm. like, he can do fine art. He can draw portraits he's amazing he's got mm-hmm. talent and um, I haven't got that skill but I thought you know what I can stick people you know <laughs> so um <laughs> just to try and kind of get my point across yeah I, illustrate the point my, yeah my, yeah my thing was you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna try and teach people about pregnancy and birth make it a little bit humorous at points mm. uh, you know and and do it through these these silly little doodles And um, but the literary agent loved it and she said you know what let's use those in your book so the book is, because there's loads of pregnancy books. I mean, how mm. many authors are out there that, that write about pregnancy? Loads, hundreds, mm. thousands. Um, so I don't want to just be one of them. I wanted to do something that was different. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested it with that. Um, focus on pregnancy and birth and how to, how to pay yourself for a positive birth. Yes, um, yeah. And then a the big focus afterwards on the fourth trimester, because there's not enough. Most of the pregnancy books, they'll talk about pregnancy and birth, and then it kind of a little bit about afterwards, and that's it. But I've tried to be a bit more extensive going right up to three months after birth, you know, you mm. to expect how to get through through those those nights when your baby's just screaming non-stop or it feels like they're feeding non-stop. Um, and drawing on my experiences as a midwife, but as a mum as well, yeah, yeah. You know, kind of combining them both together. And yeah, so the book is um it's gonna be released officially next spring. It's available for pre-order, but it's you know, they've got a a, a lot to do between now and mm-hmm. now and then, and I'm really
0: looking forward to it. I can't, I can't wait. No, <laughs> I just it. Did it. I, yeah, because it, it, it becomes real, even though you know you've been working yeah. on. See the end product. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Yeah. but um, the week that I'm actually interviewing is like maternal mental health week, and you kind of mm-hmm. just mentioned about having a positive birth experience and kind of what do you what should like general tips on how a woman can can prepare. Because I know for myself, I honestly just felt like. I would, you know you're just thrown obviously thrown into the deep end my girls were you know I didn't f- expect to have twins and then they were premature I just thought like I was totally not prepared but so even though I did mm. do reading and stuff I still didn't feel prepared so just kind of any general mm. tips that you would give people for a positive yeah well experience.
1: It's, it's, it's interesting because some people will say um oh there's no point with birth there's no point writing a birth plan or planning for birth because you know it just goes out the window but I I don't agree with that line of thinking, mm-hmm. and, um, and the reason that I don't agree with it is because you I mean I, I don't call it a birth plan I call it birth preferences.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You need to fill yourself with knowledge, you need to understand about birth, how birth works, to be able to decide what it is you think you would like, what you're hoping for. Simple things like who do you want to cut the cord, and you know just just general things like that, um, and then you can kind of Plan out what, you, what you're hoping for so that that person who's looking after you in labour knows what your wants and on your wishes are mm. and can try to help you work towards that. It's not about being unrealistic. It's not about, oh, well, you know, you write a plan and then it all just goes out the window. That's not necessarily the case. And if you, if you build yourself up with, with um, as much knowledge as possible, then you can work towards having a positive experience. So I, I talk about steps to having an empowering birth. And most, the majority of people aim to have a straightforward vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. You get some people who are scared of childbirth and who want to opt for a cesarean. But most of us will um, strive towards having a complication, intervention-free. Of course, birth. And that's, um, what, that's what we're aiming for, isn't it? Mm. Right. So the first thing I would say is learn, learn mm. about, learn as much as you can about birth. You know. Um... I, um, I had, uh, I remember being on the labour ward once and having a call from a, a dad, um, a really worried dad. And I said, oh, is everything okay? He said, my wife's 40 weeks pregnant today. I said, yes, okay. And he said, but she's not going into labour. You know, what do we do? What, what do we do? Do we come in or, you know? So he, so they, they didn't have, they hadn't educated themselves about, yeah, that.
0: about, about
1: pregnancy, the length mm. of pregnancy, the fact that you can go overdue,
0: that mm. your
1: due date is due date. Um, we don't necessarily say, hey, you know, you're 40 weeks, come in and let's let's get things going. Um, so just having that knowledge about how birth works, knowing when to go into the hospital or into the birth centre or when to call your midwife if you're having a home birth. Uh, understanding about the physiology of birth and the fact that, yes, it can take some time. Some people have really quick births, some people have difficult ones. Um, learning what you can do to make the process easier to help make the process easier, things like perineal massage to reduce the risk of having tears. Eating dates to um, shorten the length of your, or to help shorten the length of your labor and to make Mm -hmm. things easier. Eating well in pregnancy, uh, exercising if you can. I know people probably roll their eyes when I talk about exercise, but studies have shown that if you have a healthy diet and you you exercise, even if it's like 20 minute walk a day, 15 minute walk a day, Mm -hmm. that your chances of having a smooth, shorter labor are much higher. You know, the things like that and um, choosing the right birthing environment, which includes, when I say environment. I mean, not just what's around you, but also who you have with you as a birthing partner. Yeah. If you've got your birth partner and they are an absolute you know, emotional wreck, that's not the sort of person you, you need. need. Room, <laughs> no. You know? and, mm. and, and, if, and if that's your if that's the other parent of the baby, then choose someone else as well. Get someone mm. else in there with you. If You can, I mean, I know things are difficult at the moment because we're in a pandemic, but you need somebody with you that is going to be supportive, not that's not someone that's going to make you panic. Because if they make you panic, then your adrenaline is going to go up and it's just going to make your labor a lot more complicated, you know what I mean? Okay, so choosing the right, yeah, choosing the right environment, the right birth partner, um, making sure you do your research, prepare your body. And also preparing your mind as well. I mean, you probably know that I, I teach hypnobirthing, and a lot of people are like, "Oh my gosh, what's this hypnosis? You're going to t- change my mind." No, it's not about that. It's about it's about helping to um, kind of eliminate fear and promote calm. It's not a guaranteed you're going to have the perfect birth. What it what it will do is just to help you focus and kind of reset and to keep your and um, the positive hormones flowing rather than the adrenaline, which is going to stop labor process rather than kind of keep it going so there are so many things that you can do it's not about let's just try and wing it i'm pregnant i'm just going to wing it now and see what happens yeah, yeah so when yeah. you go into, when you go to the birthing room when you go to the labor labor room you're not going to have a clue you, people are going to be walking towards you offering you this that, and the other and you're going to be like what what's that what's that yeah. what's, 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 what's and drip i don't know what that is because you haven't educated yourself on it so knowledge is Is
0: key. (laughs) No, definitely, I definitely agree with that. And also, I just want to speak because um, sometimes I feel like I'm in a catch twenty two because with my my experience, um, you know, there was a lot of trauma there and stuff, and I don't mind sharing to share knowledge or let other people know that the feelings that they might be have is not abnormal to feel those feelings. Mm. But sometimes I find with social media, sometimes they get we we get stuck at the trauma part. There's no conversation, which which how to get past it or what does the healing journey that's why I was quite happy with the maternal mm. health week this week that is about journey journey to healing um yes. so if so if if you i don't know if you have clients that might have had bad experience or not bad but you know some sort of trauma there mm. how do you support them and what kind of do you do suggest for them to kind of move past and not be mm. stuck in the trauma and move on to their healing yeah
1: i think um because i do have a
0: few clients that have had um
1: not so great experiences first time around, mm. which is one of the reasons why they've kind of um, come to me to, to, to kind of help get the support for, for their next birth. Um, but I think the first thing is to, if, if we're talking about, talking about birth trauma, is to understand what happened and, and why, if there's any kind of explanation for it. Because all too often, women have, will have traumatic birth experiences And they won't know why. What? Why? Why did that happen? Why? Why was I? Why was I given this? Why did this? You know? Why did I have to have an emergency cesarean? Or um, why did I have to have an episiotomy? Nobody explained it to me. Hmm. Most hospitals will have a debrief service, so Hmm. you can call up, even if it's like a year later or you're pregnant again, and say, "Hey, I need to speak to somebody about what happened during my birth." And what they would do is they'll invite you in for an appointment they'll get your old um, maternity notes out and they'll sit there and talk you through everything. And that gives you the opportunity to ask questions mm. and work out, you know, what happened and why. Because when you're in labor, often yeah. you, you're, you're in that vulnerable state, you your mind's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and often you're not hearing what people are saying. So to be able to kind of reflect in hindsight and talk to somebody, that is for a lot of people, not for everybody, but that is a good way to kind of start the healing process. And then from that, if you're pregnant again, finding a care provider, um, whether it's a private or NHS, someone that is willing to kind of help you work towards a better experience. Yeah. You know, yeah. Second or third time round, because you need that support. You know, you need, you need to have somebody that's kind of on your page and that will help you. Yeah. Help you kind of work towards more of a positive experience. And then if you're feeling like it's, you know, things still aren't right, perhaps you're suffering with anxiety or depression. And there are other services out there as well. Some, some NHS trusts will have a perinatal mental health service mm-hmm. that um, will work with you through your pregnancy towards your, your, your next birth. Um, not, all, not all areas do, unfortunately, which is a bit of a, bit of a shame. Mm-hmm. You've still got the midwife, you've still got helpers to help us because I think now they get in contact with you antenatally as well. Okay. So you can reach out to health visitor, GP, and there's other like charitable organ- organisations such as Pandas, which are um, uh, like a maternal mental health awareness, mm-hmm. um, charity, which offer lots and lots of advice. So there, there, is, there are there are organisations out there, and there are people out there that are willing to listen and help um, move forward for a better for a better experience.
0: Mm. Okay, well, that, yeah, because that's I had to for me. It, it took a while because I think especially mm. you know how is the first year. You're in survival mode anyway mm. so you kind of just and because when you have sick, sick children you, you don't you're not at the forefront of your mind you, you know you're just worrying about your children and then mm. it took about a year and a half for me to like sit back and be like no okay and I need, I need to i need to delve into this now i need to deal with it because mm. i could feel like you know you just know that something's not right there's a there's just a feeling that and every time you, i would think about my birth or think about the whole experience i would get mm upset I might not outwardly seem, but I could feel it with myself that I was getting upset so that's something I had mm. to work through but um I got to a point where I was like no I need to I need to I need to deal with it but I just find mm. sometimes because I get messages from I've literally had messages from people who like their child's in NICU and they're messaging me mm. like what tips or what do I suggest and then they've come back to me a couple mm. of months later and just said no the, you know the things that you have mentioned really really help so it's good it's good to know but those kind of things I think it's spoken about now when I first kind of popped onto social media after I had my children it still was very much oh you know I've had my water birth and here's my baby and and there was no (laughs) no other conversation outside of that so I know it can feel quite I know in my case you can feel quite isolated when you don't know where to to go because everyone's just talking about their great experience and when you didn't have one you can feel quite isolated and there's lots of people who don't have the best experience Mm. you
1: know um lots and lots and lots but it's it's those those women knowing that they're not alone that there are so many people out there who haven't had the best best experience and yes you know i'm all for thinking positively of course and and, and when you're not pregnant when you're when you're pregnant um trying to avoid negative birth stories because oh definitely but at the same time you know you need to be educated on 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 all eventualities you need Mm. to um and in the postnatal period, have realistic expectations mm. of what it's going to be like. You know, the amount of people who which shocks me, who I will visit when they've had a baby, and they they genuinely seem shocked about the the amount of time babies spend crying in the night. You know, they genuinely did not realise it would be like that. Mm. And and I think to myself, who who on earth was looking after this couple in the mm. pregnancy? do you know what I mean if no one's not safe to them babies cry at night they mm. often newborn babies will often sleep during the day and will often cry and scream all night long mm. why aren't why aren't these parents being told this why are they said why are they being set these expectations you know because they they haven't been told they haven't been told otherwise the, the amount of parents that will have a baby and just assume that they just wake up once in the night for a feed and go back to sleep
0: Oh my gosh! If I've been working once in that for feed, I'll be laughing. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be walking around like <laughs> skipping. I think because I know in my case because I've literally had friends because I'm very conscious of that. I know I've had I have had a negative experience, but I, unless mm-hmm. my friends specifically ask me or pray that I don't go into it with them, because that mm-hmm. definitely doesn't mean it's going to be your your um your experience. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. two of my friends have literally said to me, Georgie you're the only person." Who's given it to me? Who like, re- like you've given me an answer that now that I've gone into it is actually reality, and mm. I don't know why. I don't know why we gloss over it because even I said to my mum about the night sweats, and know, when mm. when I was going through, I, I was talking to my mum. I was like, Mum, why didn't you tell me this? Like. <laughs> No one speaks about the night sweats or the like, cramp, like the cramping you feel sometimes when you're after everything's pain. going back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> My mum was just like, "Oh, you know, you don't want to scare. I didn't want to scare you, but you know, this is womanhood. I'm like, no, we need to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Because I had oh, no definitely. clue, no clue. Definitely, definitely. It's, it's so it's so important. I mean, I've
1: I've done posts on um, talking about after after the after pains, mm. especially uh, the more children you have. The worse it gets. I mean, gosh, I remember my, my last baby um, being in, in hospital because I gave birth to in hospital, and um, this was this was like t- a day later, 24 mm. hours later, and I'm writhing around on the bed with these cramps, and I had to have morphine mm. <laughs> because it was so bad. Wow. Mm. You know, and but I knew that because each time I had a baby, it got worse and worse and worse. Mm. So for me to say to say to women, you know, you may, you might not, but you may experience. Camping pain after the birth mm. and um if you've had one baby it's, it, it tends not to be that bad but by the time you get to like four or five it can be like almost like you're going back into uh, early labor again and, and that's because if I didn't tell you that and you suddenly started having these pains afterwards you'd, you'd think that something's wrong you would yeah. think that, oh my god mm. is there another baby in there
0: mm. have,
1: is, is there a twin that we've forgotten about or something <laughs> 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 And feel like that, you know, for some people. Uh, certainly for me, that's how it felt the big mm. time around. Honestly, it felt like I was in labour again. Um, and also things like talking about how long you bleed for after the birth. Mm. So I mean, I mean some people don't realise that it can go on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You know, so just being kind of candid about certain things. Not what I wouldn't do is um openly say to someone who's pregnant, without them without them asking me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had I had a horrendous experience you know I was, I was I was cut left right and you know I wasn't by the way but if you know if I was mm. I was cut in the every, any which way I mean what would that do to somebody who's mm. having a baby I'd scare them half to death wouldn't it mm. and not put them in the right mindset right mind, mm. right mind. so it's knowing what to say and knowing when and when to say it you know it's really 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 <sighs> important. Really, yeah.
0: So we're just gonna round up because we we haven't really touched on that like, your your I, will, I like to say OG twin mum, your your boys how old <laughs> how you? How, how old are your, your sons? Mm-hmm. they're they they're teens. They're fourteen they're in September. Teen. Oh, yeah. so, so they're the teen teen teenage. Yeah. Um, any like any tips or anything you would say for twin mums that are on the early end of you know like early or toddler stage? Just how mm. to cope? Any tips there? Gosh, um, you
1: know what? The only thing I can say is get yourself try and get into a routine early yeah. <laughs> when they're born. Something that I didn't do, and I didn't, and I, and I, and I didn't have a clue because obviously I'd, I'd never had. I'd had one baby, but I never had two before. Hmm. Um, so I was doing the whole feed on demand thing, and that was no, no, not when you've got not not when you've got two. Yeah. You know, you have to feed them both at the same time. Otherwise, I'll have you. will be running rings around you. Um, Get help, you know. If if you if you've got support, if people are offering um, uh, help, then just take it. Especially yeah. when they're, especially when they're toddlers, you know, and they're or they're babies. I mean, I, I had someone who used to come around to hold them or to help me, just so that I could go and get in the shower
0: mm. because I
1: couldn't, I couldn't fit both bouncers. They would they used to be in these little baby chairs. Mm. And with my first baby, I would put him in the chair on the floor in the bathroom while I had a shower, so I could just keep an eye on him. With two. My bathroom was so small at the time i couldn't fit fit them in there mm. so it was like i can't i don't want to get in the shower and have them out of my sight even though they, they couldn't crawl or anything yeah um i wanted to have them within with, within sort of eyesight so just having someone come around and help me was was a was it was a massive help you mm. know um so take support if you can and just don't be too hard on yourself yeah. there's no wrong or right way with twins you just sometimes I'm all for preparation and routine, but sometimes you have to wing it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> sometimes you just, especially when you've got one running off in one direction, one in the other, you just, just do whatever, you, whatever you feels right.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: don't put too much pressure on yourself. And they all get to an age where you know they're not. It's not so much hard work. Mm. You know what I mean. And one of the good things about having twins, I will say, is that I found in comparison to having my singletons, is that they entertain each other
0: yeah yeah so I'm, I'm getting at that stage now so yeah, that's
1: good yeah they're not all, they're not all over me so much like with mm-hmm. my my single babies they're very very clingy to me very clingy whereas with the twins they were great like if I put them in nursery and they wouldn't scream too much if I walked off because they had each other yeah you know
0: what I mean yeah, yeah. So it definitely definitely plus sides uh, to it as well yeah <laughs> we're, we're getting to that stage where they're We'll literally be in their room and playing and i'm like wait a minute you've been a bit quiet going and they're like mommy we're playing i'm like oh okay okay i'll go <laughs> you know go back at the room and leave them um yeah but finally getting to that stage because like mm-hmm. earlier on it still was like pl- like mm-hmm. play with me and you know we all will play together but we get into that mm. station now, so it's nice. But um, I just want to say thank you, man. I know you're super busy, so I appreciate the time. You're you're and um, thank you. I'll you know, I follow, so we'll, we'll be in each other's DMs, so we'll speak soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Oshit oh Twins podcast. You can find me, Georgia Martell, at Oshit oh Twins on Facebook and Instagram, and my website is oshittwins.com. Oh I'll be posting new episodes once every two weeks and in the meantime, you can like, comment and subscribe.